0: In a stadium rich with tradition, we have that here, and it reeks.
1: And when you come in, teams take the field; they can feel it. The lights shine the brightest. Definitely, playing at Camp Randall is one of the best places to play in college football. This is the camp. Now, here's your host, Zach Heilprin, and the athletics, Jesse Temple, on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Network. Yes, welcome into the camp here on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. I'm Zach Heilprin. No, Jesse Temple. Got a couple of fun interviews today that are uh, informative but also fun. Uh, first up, John McNamara from BadgerBlitz.com talking all about recruiting, uh, both in the 2021 class and in the 2022 class, the stacked. In state 2022 class, that is, and also uh, get into a little bit what he's feeling, whether, you know, what football could look like this fall and what high school football could be this fall. And then also brought in former Badger uh, fullback Brady Ewing. Uh, we are a fullback friendly podcast, obviously, with Matt Bernstein uh, being my co host for the first couple of years. So we have another great uh, former Wisconsin fullback on to talk about uh, what he's been doing the last few months, uh, as all of us have had their world uh, turned upside down by COVID-19, getting a little bit about the impact of not having spring ball, the advantage potentially of certain teams being able to have team activities on their campuses in June, whereas Wisconsin right now doesn't look like they will, and then also uh, got into our favorite fullbacks of all time. I gave my fo- top five list of all uh, Badger fullbacks all time. He gets into it. Uh, his favorite as well and so uh, a fun interview back and forth uh, with uh, Brady so we'll get right to it. First interview coming up, John McNamara from BadgerBlitz.com And we do welcome in John McNamara from BadgerBlitz.com John, uh, thanks for coming on First, how has the last few months been for you? It's been tough for all people in sports, obviously. I know certainly other uh, aspects of the country are dealing with much tougher things than, than we are right now, trying to find content and that type of things. But how, how have your last couple of months gone as you dealt with uh, coronavirus and, and the fallout from it?
0: Yeah, uh, you know, it's been difficult, like you said, Zach. And, um, you know, we obviously plan to cover spring camp for Wisconsin. And, you know, even when this went down, we plan to obviously cover Uh, the Badgers run and you know the Big Ten tournament NCAA tournament so uh, I I guess you know looking at the bright side we're very fortunate that uh, recruiting kind of never stops so you know we put a big emphasis on that Um, we you know we've looked back we've looked forward Uh, you know we did a series on the anatomy of a position which I thought kind of combined uh, you know looking at the past five recruiting classes and how you know it really kind of shaped the current roster so um, but, you know, like you and I talked about before, uh, you know, we really need for some college football to start uh, to start kind of cranking things up a little bit on the website.
1: Desperately, though, I will say, you know, me and you both have it kind of nice that we don't have to go get our hair cut, right? Like we can do it ourselves. It's, it's yeah, I like, mean, that's that's I, a benefit, I, right? Because I've, I've, <laughs> I've seen some people with way too long of hair right now. I'm around people with way too long of hair right now. and like, come on, go get a haircut or something. They can't do what we do. I mean, it's the only benefit of being follically challenged right now. Yeah,
0: literally the only benefit, but yeah, I mean, I have, not, I have not lost a step with that. I haven't seen a barber in probably, you know, 15 years or so, so I am, I'm just moving right along in that department.
1: <laughs> All right, let's get into a little bit of the recruiting. Obviously, a busy time in, in handing out offers, especially in the 2022 class, but to start with the 2021 class, uh, you know, right now Wisconsin with 10 commits, what's next for them? What's the, what's the next name that fans will be hearing uh, in terms of potential commitment, you think?
0: Yeah, you know, it's been kind of quiet since the Antoine Roberts commitment. I think that was in mid-April. Um, and, you know, there hasn't been a whole lot of offers went on. I think some, you know, fans that follow recruiting are getting a little antsy on that front. But um, I think things are going to kind of ramp up a little bit. You know, you've seen guys uh, who were planning on visiting Wisconsin in June. I uh, know they're kind of like altering their plans now. Uh, you know, I think it starts with T.J. Bowlers, uh, you know, the four-star, you know, defensive end, outside linebacker, just kind of an edge guy. Um, you know he's focusing on five or six schools, and you know Wisconsin was the last visit he took on March first, and I, I think Wisconsin is probably the clear favorite there. You know they've got him on campus no less than four times. Um, I think he, you know, he likes the combination of of academics and, and athletics at Wisconsin. So um, you know you could hear him pop sometime in June. Um, you know Daryl Peterson's kind of in that same conversation. Uh, him and Bowlers really, you know, kind of kicked it off and and really sparked their relationship on March first because he was on campus there too. Um, you know, similar guy, you know, kind of that edge guy, too. Uh, he's considering Wisconsin, uh, Alabama, West Virginia, and Michigan's also in the race there. So I think, you know, if you look at potentially who's going to be the next two to commit, uh, I think it could be Bowers and Peterson. I think they could be, you know, maybe in within a couple of days of each other, if not hours, because I think there's a strong desire for those two to play together at the next level. And, you know, Wisconsin offers that and Alabama offers that. But I think Wisconsin might, you know, and, you, know you don't say this a whole lot, I think Wisconsin will edge out Alabama in that race.
1: What makes Wisconsin a better choice for them, do you think?
0: You know, I think they built those relationships early. You know, they got both of those guys on campus, you know, really with bowlers that started last summer, you know, he camped at Wisconsin, uh, got to tour the campus as well. And then they got him on campus twice in the fall. And then once more, like I said, on March 1st, Um, you know, Peterson, they were out in front for him pretty early in the process, offered him last fall during a visit, got him back on campus March 1st. So, you know, being there from the start, I think helps, um, you know, in that outside linebacker position, uh, I've kind of called it the glamour position in Wisconsin's defense. And, you know, they talk about guys, you know, you can go down the list of outside linebackers that Wisconsin's had, um, both those guys want to give it a try there on the edge. And I think that's another big appeal, uh, that Wisconsin can offer there.
1: It is insane how many guys have been drafted just in the last few years. And a lot of them have gone on to be pretty good players in the NFL. Obviously TJ Watt and Joe Schober, the ones that the two that stand out, but you know you can go on down the line, even going to Zach Bond this year, and you know Andrew Van Gunkel last year, and just guys make an impact in college, get an opportunity in the NFL, and that's all these guys really want.
0: Yeah, and you know I, I think there's a chance that Bowler's plays defensive end in college. It kind of depends on you know what his body looks like, but really the opportunity to say, hey, you can play standing up here. You know, you could be the next in a long line like all the guys you mentioned, Zach. I think that's really intriguing for those two guys. And you know, if, if you look at kind of college football, and you know, obviously the NFL draft as well just those guys who can play on the edge, whether they're standing up or they have their hand on the ground, uh, you know, they're just so valuable, and Wisconsin can kind of preach that, and, and they have you know, the, the proof is in the pudding of what they've been able to do at that position. So uh, you know, those two guys, Wisconsin you know, is after a couple more guys at that outside linebacker position, so it'll be interesting to see how they close there at outside linebacker.
1: So again, as I said, they got 10 guys committed right now. How big a class do you think it's going to end up being?
0: You know, that number is really never kind of set in stone. Um, I think there's either like 14 or 15 scholarship seniors, so I always try to add like four or five on. So I think this class could be, you know, 18 to 21 guys. So I would say they're probably halfway done here as they look to, you know, maybe add the last, you know, 50% of this class. But I could see, yeah, like I said, anywhere from 18 to 21 guys in this 2021 class.
1: Does it end up being a better class than the 2020 class? You know that's
0: that's tough. Um, you know that that was a really good class with with some pretty good, you know not only high end guys but you know pretty good depth that followed uh, behind them. You know right now we have them as Wisconsin's the number 20 class in the country. You know if they can get on some guys like Bowlers who's a four star kid. Um, you know Terrence Ferguson is a four star tight end from Colorado that they're on. Um, you know if if they can kind of capitalize on some of the bigger fish uh, that they're after right now, I think they have a chance. But I think when it's all said and done, when the dust settles, um, they might fall just short of, of that 2020 class. But, you know, that's not a knock on this group. You know, obviously there, there's some big-time star power there with Hunter Waller, uh, the in-state safety from Muskego, um, you know, J.P. Benchwell, another in-state kid from Grafton who, you know, Wisconsin obviously likes quite a bit. And he's got that lineage there with his brothers and even dad who played there. So I, I think there's there's a lot of guys in this group that you like. But, I, you know, if you look at the rankings at the end of the year, it might fall behind that 2020 class.
1: Who is the best guy in the class right now is it is it Waller do you think
0: I do, yeah, and, you know I'm a big Waller fan, um you know having seen him a, a few times you know as a sophomore, and then I think I saw him twice last year as a junior. I, I just think he's a special player. Um, you know right now we actually have Ben Schwall rated ahead of Waller uh, for Rivals.com, but you know just I guess my preference is, is probably Hunter Waller um, you know, just the schools that have been you know involved with him ultimately came down to Wisconsin Ohio State uh, you know there just really hasn't been a defensive back. Uh, you know, from the high school level, I know that people say Jimmy Leonard, but, you know, I don't know that Jimmy Leonard really did it at the high school oh. level like Hunter Waller did. Um, you know, just a violent hitter, um, closes ground extremely well, and he's just a difference maker. And that's kind of what his uh, defensive coordinator told me when I talked to him. So yeah, he's just kind of a special talent from inside the state. Like I said, you know, Ohio State made him a top priority, and Ohio State's going to have the top recruiting class of the nation. So I think that, you know, kind of speaks to Waller's skill set. Um, you know, a lot of schools like Stanford and LSU were kind of sniffing around right before he made his commitment. So, um, I think he's, you know, he's as intriguing as a player that the state has produced in the last, you know, 10 to 15 years, in my opinion.
1: There's technically three running backs in the class, you know, with, with Antoine Roberts, uh, Jackson Aker and Loyal Crawford, but not all of them are going to play running back, right? Is there, which one of those is going to end up somewhere else?
0: Yeah, you know that's a really good question. That's something that we've been, you know, doing our position previews and you know looking at the future type stuff, and we're trying to figure out. Um, I, I think the most likely to stay there for sure is probably Antoine Roberts. Um, I think he's probably the most, you know, true running back from from those three that you mentioned, and I think Loyal Crawford is right there with him. Um, so you know, if you take two tailbacks there, you know that that's fine. Um, you know, there's going to be some bigger turnover. Uh, you know, Nakia Watson, you know, Brady Shipper, uh, Isaac Aranda. I think those guys are all redshirt sophomores right now. So, uh, you know, taking two in this class is all right. But, you know, like you mentioned, Zach, uh, Jackson Acker, uh, the kid from uh, Verona who earned his offer at camp as a running back, um, I-, I think he could get a shot there. You know, it, it, all three could start there when they arrive on campus next summer and then, uh, you know, just kind of seeing how Acker's body develops. He could also play that outside linebacker position or, you know, maybe even fullback. Um, it all kind of depends on what he looks like. You know, right when he committed, I talked to his high school coach, and he thought that you know he could be you know six two, six three, and two hundred fifty pounds. You know, in the next twelve to twenty four months. So I think it all kind of depends on what his body type looks like. So you know, he could play really, I guess, you know, on both sides of the ball. But I think Roberts is, is probably the best lock to stay there with Loyal Crawford just behind him. But you know, it's not a bad problem to have. I think you can figure some uh, some of that out when they get on campus and see what they look like in pads.
1: Yeah, two of those guys, in state guys, as you mentioned, uh, Hunter Waller as well, and JP Benchwall. That's the 2021 class, in-state class. The 2022 class is just stacked in the state. H- has there ever been, in your mind, a more talented in-state class than, than the one that's coming up here in 2022?
0: Uh, no, I don't think so. And it, it's crazy to say that so early in the process because you know, these guys are just kind of putting their finishing touches on their sophomore year of high school. But you know, if you look at you know, the big six, the super six, you know, whatever you want to call them, um, you know they're, they're an awfully impressive group. So you know you have six guys from the state who already, already have offers from Wisconsin. You know you've seen schools like Alabama come in and offer Carson Hinsman. Um, you know Ohio State comes in and offers Joe Brunner. Uh, Braylon Allen's picking up some big-time offers. Um, Billy Schroth. You know Tennessee is a school that that's been up here. So uh, it's a really unique group. Obviously, it's headlined by the, the three big offensive linemen. But you know you have a guy like Jerry Cross, who's you know a wide receiver slash H back. You know, maybe he even grows to, like, a defensive end at the next level. Uh, Braylon Allen, I think, who could probably stick at safety. Um, so, you know, it, it's a really intriguing group, and I think it's going to stack up really well uh, with, you know, just about every other in-state class that I've covered. Uh, and even beyond that to, you know, the Internet area, which kind of goes back to 2002. Uh, I think this class has, you know, a chance to be the best in class ever because, you know, even beyond those six, there's there's some really intriguing guys. Uh, Miles Burkett, the quarterback from Franklin, um, I, I think he could be a, you know, a high-level Division One player. So uh, it's going to be really interesting to see how this group finishes. Uh, Wisconsin's going to have a huge challenge ahead of itself, trying to keep all six inside the state. But you know, if you, if you look at the track record, uh, they've done an, an incredibly good job of, of doing that in the past few recruiting cycles.
1: Of all those guys, and you mentioned the six, which one do you think is the best? Because, I mean, they're obviously they're all ranked quite highly. Joe Brunner, certainly Carson Hinsman. Which of those guys do you think is the best?
0: Yeah, you know, it's, it's tough to say so early in the process. Um, but I'm going to make it. I, I had a chance to see Hinsman and Brunner um, at Wisconsin's camp last summer. Um, you, you know, you probably can't go wrong with either of those guys, but, you know, Joe Brunner, um, you know, going back to even his freshman year, and his brother actually shot me a message. He goes, hey, you know, his brother plays at Northern Illinois right now. He says, hey, you've got to check out my brother. He's a pretty good football player. And you, you put on the tape of him playing, you know, varsity football at left tackle at a pretty high level. Um, You know, his tape was as good uh, as probably Ben Bredesen's, going back a few classes as a a freshman uh, that that played at such a high level so early in his career. So um, if I had to take one from the six, and, you know, I'm only doing this because you made me Zach, I'd I'd probably say Joe Brunner. You know, he he could probably be, you know, maybe be in the conversation for the best tackle in the country. But, you know, it's still so early in the process. But I'd probably go Brunner right now if you made me give you an answer.
1: Of the six, which one is, is underrated, do you think?
0: You know, all of them, you know, just kind of offer wise, have picked up some some pretty nice scholarships. But you know, Isaac Ham from nearby Sun Prairie, you know, just you know, a six foot six kid, you know, about two hundred fifty pounds right now. You know, he might look like Isaiah Laudermelk in a few years because, as he said, his dad's close to six nine, six ten. So you know, I don't think he's done growing. So you know, he might be a guy who's six foot seven, three hundred pounds in a couple of years. Um, you know, has the offer from Wisconsin and Iowa, uh, Minnesota just offered. So you know, of the six, he's probably not as heavily recruited, but uh, you know, had he been able to go out and camp at a lot of places this summer, that would have definitely changed. So, you know, if someone's not getting as much pub as the other, it might be him. But, uh, you know, he's he's definitely an intriguing prospect from inside the state. And I, I think he probably ends up at Wisconsin, but it'll be interesting to see how his recruitment shakes out.
1: Of these guys, which one do you think Wisconsin going to have the toughest challenge of keeping in-state?
0: Yeah, yeah, it's a good question. Um, you know, Jerry Cross maybe strikes me as a kid that, you know, didn't wake up with, you know, <laughs> Wisconsin bed covers and a Wisconsin post room and, you know, family that all attended Wisconsin and, you know, went to Wisconsin games. So, um, you know, he just seems like a guy who's really enjoying the process. He kind of seems like he's wide open. Um, you know, he's talked about, you know, wanting some SEC offers. So, um, you know, again, still real early, but he seems like a guy who uh, is absolutely looking at all his options. I think Braylon Allen's kind of that same boat as well. Although I think there's a strong desire for him to play with Hunter Waller at the next level, yeah. Um, you know, he's a guy that's really kind of voiced uh, that he, you know, he's he's really like in Notre Dame right now. He also wants to see if you know he picks up some offers from SEC country. So, um, you know, those two guys kind of strike me as well. But you know, a guy like Brunner strikes me as wide open too. Um, you know, I think he really likes Ohio State. I also think he's nowhere near, you know, kind of honing in on a, on a kind of top list or a top group at this point. So again, it's it still so so early for these guys, but. You know, if you look at Wisconsin's track record, they've done an unbelievable job of, of keeping those guys inside the state. It's just going to be really it's going to be really intriguing to to cover their recruitments, and I'm excited to see what happens in a couple of years.
1: Which one do you think does commit the, commit the earliest? No matter what school he ends up choosing.
0: Um, again, none of these guys of those six have given any indication that they're ready to commit. Um, Braylon Allen actually had a commitment date. I think back in January, and I, you know, kind of got something ready for Wisconsin there, and then, you know, he went down the the Army All-American Combine and uh, kind of, you know, reset things a little bit and backed off that commitment date. So I think if anyone does pop, it, it I'd say maybe Ham uh, could be the first to go, you know, for a kid from some prairie growing up watching Wisconsin, you know, strong kind of, you know, family ties there. I, I think he could commit maybe earliest from that group. Stroth might be in that same camp. I think he probably winds up at Wisconsin, so... Um, you know, I, I'd probably say Isaac Hamm at this point, but, again, none of those guys have given any indication that they're ready to uh, to hone in on a commitment just yet.
1: Looking outside of the state in that class, who are some of the guys that uh, we should be keeping an eye on? And, uh, obviously, I think a lot of people will direct it towards the quarterback position, right? You know, you have Deacon Hill in, in 2021. Who's in 2022, you think?
0: Yeah, you know, starting at that quarterback position, Wisconsin's been, you know, really selective with their offers there. Right now they have just two. Um, I think the guy... To watch is probably Devin Brown. He was the first quarterback that John Budmeyer offered in that class. Um, you know, going back to last spring, uh, Wisconsin was the first school to offer him in the spring. Uh, they got him on camp last June, um, and you know, Budmeyer got to spend a ton of time with him. Uh, his mom was there as well, and then they got him on campus again in the fall. Uh, you know, for another visit. So Wisconsin really jumped up to a huge lead in his recruitment. I think some other schools have kind of closed the gap a little bit, but you know, just because they only have two offers out there. I think speaks to Bud Meyer's confidence of, of, you know, either landing Devin Brown or the other guy, Brady Allen, uh, four-star quarterback from Indiana. Uh, You know, there's a feeling that if Allen picks up an offer from Notre Dame that uh, that kind of might seal his recruitment up. But, uh, you know, of those two, I think Devin Brown is certainly worth watching. Uh, But like I said, again, I think some other schools have have made it a little bit closer than it was, you know, probably in the fall. So uh, it'll be interesting to, to see if, you know, offer number three goes out there, but right now, uh, Bud Meyer's kind of focused on those two guys.
1: Wisconsin has used their camp, their camps in the summer to, you know, identify guys. We, we, that a number of guys have gotten offers from those camps. How big of an impact is it going to have in their recruiting and, you know, judging talent and seeing talent up close? Going to impact that recruiting wise because they won't have those camps this summer.
0: Yeah, it's a, it's a huge blow, and you know, I, I know we're we're talking about football a lot right now, but it's a huge blow for basketball as well. Uh, you know, if you look at Wisconsin's commit list. You know, Matthew Moore's kind of, you know, popped onto Wisconsin's radar uh, two summers ago at their advanced camp. You know, Chris Hodges and Chucky Hepburn both earned offers last year at at Wisconsin's camp. So it's tough for both sports. But, you know, know, I've been going to Wisconsin's camps kind of every June for the last, you know, 10 years or so. And, uh, you know, you get a real good chance to evaluate guys there. You know, a lot of offers kind of pop up there. Um, after after camp performances, so you know it's it's really tough for the Wisconsin coaching staff. But you know it's also really tough for the kids to not go out there and, and get a chance to to work with Wisconsin's coaches. Um, you know specifically kind of on the offensive line, you see maybe an offer to come out each summer. So uh, it's just kind of tough all the way around. But you know in in the grand scheme of things, it's just it's just kind of the new norm right now uh, with so many question marks surrounding. I guess every aspect of life right now.
1: Have you been able to gauge, you know, in talking to guys, talking to potential recruits, how Wisconsin's handling, you know, doing this from long distance?
0: Uh, you know, you talk to a guy like Skylar Bell, he kind of sticks out to me, you know, an, a receiver that they offer from the East Coast. And, um, you know, obviously he hasn't visited yet, and he may not have a chance to before he commits. So he kind of said that, you know, Wisconsin, like a lot of schools have, have tried to bring the campus to him, um, you haven't heard as much from the kids about these virtual tours uh, you know, so much as you had, you know, maybe you've heard from other schools, but um, you know, they're adjusting just like every other school and they're, they're trying to, you know, do as much as they can without potentially getting kids on campus. Um, you know, a guy like Ricardo Hallman, a four-star cornerback uh, down in Florida, you know, last time I talked to him a couple weeks ago, he said Wisconsin led in his recruitment, but you know, he hasn't been to Madison yet. So it's just, it, it's a big challenge for not only Wisconsin, but you know, every other program out there and they're, you know, doing the best they can to, like Skylar Bell said, uh, bring the campus to them, even though you know they're they're separated by thousands of miles.
1: Gut feeling on a couple of things. One, college football. What does it look like this this fall?
0: Yeah, uh,
1: <laughs> great question. Um, <laughs> that, that we have uh, no know, we have no clue about.
0: I guess I'll, I'll take whatever I can get, and that's yeah. kind of always been my stance. Um, You know, I do these little quarantine lives in my basement each Thursday night. And, um, you know, that question comes up a bunch. And I just think that, you know, you you take whatever you can get. I don't think there's going to be a situation where, you know, the world of college football says we're not playing because we can't have fans there. Um, It kind of sounds like things could be, you know, getting going in June in terms of getting guys on campus. But, again, I think there's, there's a lot to be determined there. I just think that if there's any way to play, that they will find a way to play. I think that might involve uh, not having fans in the stands this year, which, you know, it's unfortunate, but at the same time, you know, it might be for just one year, and I'm interested to see how that happens. So, uh, like you, Zach, I'll I'll take football any way I can get it, uh, regardless if there's fans or not. Um, I just think it'd be good for, you know, the the morale of sports fans and and to kind of get closer to normal. Um, so I think I'll take it anywhere I can get it, but it, it probably won't be without fans this year, and I, I think that's okay.
1: Yeah, th- just going back to the getting guys on campus in June, you know, we've seen stories, we're seeing stories, I'm just reading this from Louisville right now, they just announced that their football uh, men's and women's basketball team's going to begin returning to campus May 27th, so there's going to be schools that are going to have athletes back on campus. Recruiting-wise, are they going to be allowing students to take visits, or is that is that still going to be next? Do you know? Good cool.
0: That's a good question. You know, right now, June is shut down. June, June is shut of, down, okay. Yeah, the latest communication that we, you know, not we, no one told me, <laughs> right. that the NCAA put out there. Um, so that's really altering decisions. You know, we talked about T.J. Bowlers, who, you know, planned to visit Wisconsin on June 12th. Daryl Peterson, same boat, planned to visit Wisconsin on June 12th. And, you know, now they have to make a decision to say, hey, look, I would have liked to take these visits, but, you know, I may not – you know get to commit on my on my timeline that I preferred right now, um, and I don't know when I can take official visits, so you know you've seen guys bump up their decisions, you know Jake Cheney, uh, you know probably a guy who who wanted to commit in person but didn't want to lose his spot, so he committed um, you know Roberts was in the same position where he wanted to visit in June, but you know didn't know for sure if he could could take that visit, so he committed early, so you know guys are adjusting to that timeline because you just don't know when you can take officials. Uh and it's gonna be really interesting to see when you can take officials again and, and see kids, you know, potentially flipping their commitments because they they can visit the school that they want to. So it could be a really crazy finish with a lot of, you know, flipping and decommitments down the road. But again, we don't know when kids are gonna be able to take official visits.
1: Yeah, that's gonna be interesting. Uh and then the other gut feeling was what's high school football going to look like? Do we think that there's gonna be a high school football season in Wisconsin? Probably, right? Uh no? I,
0: I I don't know. I would say, I don't want to sound pessimistic, but that seems like the group that could be affected. Um, you know, my wife's a teacher, and, and she's kind of plugged into that kind of stuff. And, uh, you know, the more that you talk to that, that teacher personnel, you know, there's a really good chance that, you know, schools, again, nothing's determined yet. I don't want to sound like I'm breaking any news right now, but <laughs> I think a lot of schools are preparing to start the year, you know, either online or digitally, however you want to say. So, you know, if, if kids aren't going back into the building, I think it's going to be really difficult to, to see a high school football season. But, again, uh, I'm, I'm optimistic there. You know, things are changing all the time. Yeah. Um, but, you know, gun to my head right now, I'd say that, you know, the, the high school football season would look a lot different. Um, and I certainly wouldn't be surprised if you saw, you know, fall sports kind of wiped off the calendar. But, again, it's it changes every day. Um, I don't know if anyone knows for sure. But, yeah, it, I think there's a chance that, you know, with schools not, you know going right back to normal and there's a lot of precautions being taken there uh, it could certainly affect high school sports at least in the fall
1: yeah the thing is like two weeks ago three weeks ago people would have were laughing that college kids are going back on campus by june june 1st right i mean there's right, no, there's, yeah. there's no way that's going to happen and now a large portion of the country looks like it, it is going to have its athletes back on campus uh, june 1st wisconsin probably not but hey as i've said throughout this entire thing it doesn't cost anything to be optimistic and so I'm going yeah. to choose to be optimistic about having a football season, which goes completely against my nature of being the biggest pessimist you'll ever meet, but I'm going <laughs> to, I'm going to go ahead and do that. And and hopefully we see it. And hopefully uh, we get to see high school and college football this fall. John, thank you very much.
0: Absolutely, Zach. Thanks so much for having me today.
1: And we do bring in former Wisconsin fullback, Brady Ewing, here on the camp uh brady appreciate you joining us it's been a while since we had a chance to talk obviously we did our wisconsin football roundtable uh in the fall last fall and i think that was the last time we had a chance to talk was december and it's now may late may some things have happened since then a few world-changing things that have happened since then but how's everything going
2: it's going good it's um yeah family's doing well everybody's healthy so feel thankful for that and uh keeping busy with work so feel thankful to continue to have a job and just uh like you and, and most others missing sports and kind of, you know, looking forward to see where things continue to progress and go from here. It's, uh, it's been an interesting and challenging time, obviously, amongst us, and, uh, you know, excited to get back to some semblance of normalcy here in the future.
1: So, obviously, sports take up a lot of people's time, right? A lot of their free time goes to sports. Mm-hmm. What have you been filling your free time with that uh, you otherwise would be maybe watching a game or, you know, going to a game or something?
2: Yeah, spending man a lot of time outside. It's when the weather's nice, uh, getting the kids outside, running around the yard, uh, taking them for walks, bike rides, scooter rides, and then spending a lot of time in the turkey woods here this spring. I uh, had had a few different seasons and been able to get out and uh haven't had any luck yet, but um, had a lot of g- great interaction with the turkeys. And then I'll I'll hit the midday trout fishing too, since that's opened up. So uh, I've caught a few trout to to put on the grill with for the family and. uh it's it's been a great a great spring outside so far so I feel feeling thankful for that
1: then do you just say interactions with turkeys like what kind of interactions <laughs> do you have with turkeys
2: yeah so in the what spring it's their it's their breeding or mating season so you you basically act like a hen turkey and you're doing different calls um and sequences and uh you're trying to lure in the males. so they gobble which you know a lot of people know of and um but I think a lot of people don't realize how, how much adrenaline and energy that can give you and you feel. The sound is so loud when you're out in the woods with a turkey gobbling. So um, a little different than the fall. In the spring, you interact with them, you call to them, and you try to lure them into your setup and, and get an opportunity. And oh. So had had quite a few in close within, you know, 50, 60 yards, which typically I like to get them within 40 to, to make a good, clean uh, uh, kill. So.
1: So, are you doing the calls yourself, or do you have like a, an instrument that does the calls? So, I, I
2: use. I typically like to use my slate call, which is a, a little circular. Um, they call it a pot, and uh, it's got a slate-like surface that you rough up yeah. with a sandpaper or some sort of like a Scotch-Brite type pad, and then you use a peg or a striker, which is usually a wooden, you know, piece of material that you rub against the slate to. Great turkey call. So there's all different there's a box call, there's slate calls, there's diaphragm calls, and typically I'll stick with the slate calls or the or a mouse diaphragm call and and use that device to, to make the calls. So get out and call for my dad, call for myself, and uh, man, I just love watching the Spring Woods wake up in the morning and uh, yeah. chase those turkeys around. It's a lot yeah. of fun. Yeah,
1: I know. Uh, <laughs> uh, probably, <laughs> probably no, it's not boring. I'm just I'm just imagining Brady Ewing in the middle of nowhere making turkey calls trying to get the males to come to them it's you know and just the, the mental image of it is is funny i know there's a ton of people that do that in wisconsin i'm just i'm just imagining you i know some of your former teammates are are big into it as well i know jake Peterson's a big big uh yep. turkey guy too so i no, i you're wisconsin through and through man there's there's no doubt about that but you got you mean you're up in are you in rickson center you live in rickson center still don't you
2: uh, so i'm in verona just outside oh excuse of Madison. me sorry but, um, Nope, that's all right. And uh, your family uh, still the lives. Fam- yes. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Family's still in Richmond Center, and and the family still owns the family farm that my dad grew up on. So that's where, like, two hundred some acres or so, and it it's been an awesome outlet for you know getting out, chasing the turkeys, like I was talking about, um, messing around with the white-tailed deer, and right, uh, kind of kind of filling that out that outside void, and I just love interacting with nature in that way, and. I could get how it could sound a little weird too. So, That's right. you know, you're out there calling call to the turkeys and <laughs> and trying to to draw them in, but um, you I, know, for me, it's more about being in nature, interacting, yeah. and just kind of watching it happen too. So it's, I love it out there.
1: Yeah, no, I'm just I'm just imagining like uh, you at you at your house though too, just like practicing your calls and your wife like looking at you like just really like what?
2: <laughs> oh, 100. percent Yeah, so percent. When I was traveling more, I would usually take my diaphragm mouse call and. And practice in the car while I was driving for work or something like that. So, but I've gotten the kids into it. They love it. They got a few uh, little calls that they practice with too. So we've definitely uh, tried to irritate my wife Rachel a little bit too.
1: <laughs> yeah, no doubt. Thinking about football here. Obviously, no spring football for for the Badgers. I've talked to a number of guys here. That you know, Matt Bernstein and some of the other guys we've talked to these last few months. He didn't really think missing spring ball was a big deal for like older guys. For you, did you mm-hmm. like spring ball, or was it essentially when you were younger it was good, and when you got a little bit older and you'd been through it, it was just more of a pain in the butt?
2: Yeah, I, I think you do go through a progression on that. I know, you know, in my career, I switched from running back to fullback and was, you know, constantly trying to prepare my body to be, you know, a, a more typical Wisconsin type fullback and put on weight and learn the offense. So I would say. You know, I probably had a little bit longer window where spring ball was incredibly important to my development. And, you know, both from physically of just getting continually used to, you know, the, the types of uh, rigors you'll go through in fall camp and and as the season approaches as a fullback at Wisconsin, but also just, um, you know, learning the game. But as you get older, you know, the, the season takes a toll on you too. And I think, you, you know, you really cherish the time to – be in the weight room, be in the the conditioning and and get your body right. And as you get later in your career, probably going into my senior year and junior year a little bit, you know, you start to uh, uh, take, you don't want to, you don't take for granted the time you get to not put your body through the the physical toll of uh, hitting people for 15 practices or whatever that is. So um, I think there's definitely a progression and I think, you know, for those older guys, they'll appreciate this time off. And it looks like they're trying to do some, you know, different mobile type te- teaching events with them via iPad. I think I saw the University of Wisconsin football team tweeting out some stuff like that with, uh, you know, Coach Rudolph and, you know, teaching the O-linemen in his his garage with his iPad. So yeah. they're finding ways to, to continue to sharpen their blade. And, and um, you know, for some of those young guys, it might set them back. But for most co- teams in the country, it seems like that's the standard. There might be some that got a few practices in prior to, you know, the coronavirus and all of that. But, you know it'll be some, for the most part, in the Big Ten. I think a level playing field that way.
1: Well, it will be, except for, of course. Well, we'll see. As we as we record this on Thursday, we've heard a lot of colleges saying they're going to allow guys back on campus June first, and they're going to be able to. Hmm. You know, the NCAA announced uh, yesterday that they're going to allow team activities for men's basketball, women's basketball, and football to start on June uh, June 1st through the fr- through June 30th. It's up to the local municipalities and, and local government and you know the school administrators and the athletic department to determine whether they're going to allow it or not, and we've already heard several schools say that they are, and I think it's going to be a pretty big amount, and that includes Ohio State. Mm-hmm. Ohio State is, has said that they're going to have them back on, I believe, by the latest June 8th. And you wow. know, like, and these these workouts, at least the you know the on field workouts and that type of stuff, are going to have to be completely done by the athletes. Like, there can't be coaches involved in it. But having them back on campus, whereas Wisconsin, as of right now, and I'm speaking right now, and I don't know, maybe something will happen after this, and Wisconsin will, will do the same. Right now, their campus is closed until June 30th. So I don't know how big. Oh, wow. Okay. So, so is there an advantage that, that to me would give Ohio State and whoever, whatever other schools do it? a little bit of an advantage to have that month to be back on campus together, and I would assume be on campus throughout the entire uh, summer for summer workouts.
2: For sure. Yeah, I actually, I, I had seen, seen some rumblings about that on Twitter, but I hadn't followed it closely. That's, that's going to be intriguing to watch because, you know, not having spring ball, you know, being away from the team, you know, the coaches can only do so much from, you know, doing virtual, you know, type classroom sessions of teaching the game. But the biggest thing is just having that accessibility to training equipment. You know, guys coming from different backgrounds, different, um, you know, families, different situations to where, you know, some might only have their body weight to do push-ups, you know, body weight squats, sit-ups, you know, some of those basic type movements with some of these gyms being closed throughout the country. So I think to get teams back on campus and to start preparing for, you know, the season that we you know i would think that is still going to go on in some some shape or form in the future i think is going to be a huge advantage just to standardize what that uh training regimen looks like for your players i think that's going to be huge
0: yeah no and doubt it's going to
2: be interesting if they do have a, a season just to see how you know injuries might play a role be different better worse um than the past given you know the some of the lack lack of training uh form, formally so
1: yeah um no doubt, and who knows how long they'll get? Like, they're not gonna. I mean, they're gonna have to be back for a certain amount of time before they're gonna start to be able to play games, right? I mean, you are not gonna be able to. Sure. it you may you're gonna have to have at least the fall camp, perhaps even longer than that to get people ready, especially without spring ball for most people. But you know, it's gonna be interesting, and we don't know the answer. You know, just a couple of weeks ago, as I was saying earlier in our in a um, with our interview with John McNamara earlier in the show, uh, just a few weeks ago, people were scoffing at the idea that athletes would be back on campus June 1st, and here we are. Mm-hmm. It's happening, so I think things are sure. you know moving. But I I think it would be certainly an advantage for these other teams to to have this opportunity and how Wisconsin does it, how they want to. Because again, the Big Ten is going to have a role here too. They currently have mm-hmm. a moratorium until May thirty first on team activities. So, but I I think that they're working on it. But there's just each local place, whether it's Madison, whether it's Minneapolis, whether it's Columbus, they all have their own you know things that they have to deal with. And at least right now. Madison and Dane County is uh, probably one of the tougher places to deal with it, simply, right. just based on the restrictions. But again, right. we'll see.
2: A lot, yeah, a lot of layers to it. It's going to be interesting to watch it as it unfolds, and um, yeah, just as how that gives people advantages, I, I would see that it uh, definitely would. So I think there's going to be people that push that envelope. That's for sure.
1: Yeah, no Go doubt. Ahead. I wanted to say because I know you don't gotta have a ton of time, so I wanted to get to. Are uh, your favorite fullbacks of all time? I put together my top five list. Obviously, you're a fullback. We're a fullback. Are a fullback is it once a fullback, always a fullback kind of thing?
2: I think so. I think it's a brotherhood. Okay. You, know, you see the the make fullbacks great again that, is, yep. that are out there and um, yeah. So yeah, I'm, and and being it somewhat of a dying breed, it just um, yeah. I think I think fullbacks tend to hang together. I, I probably am a little more skewed towards uh, some of the more Uh, recent fullbacks that I grew up watching and um, as I'm sure most people are.
1: Yeah. All right. So uh, I put together my top five. Maybe you have a top five. I don't know, but I'll let you, uh, you you give me your first name. So
2: first one I wrote down just in brief preparation for the call was um, again, incredibly biased being a Wisconsin guy, (laughs) but John Kuhn is the first one that came to mind for me.
1: Great Um, Packers fullback.
2: Yeah. Great Packers fullback guy that showed versatility to be able to obviously block or run the ball did great things at, uh, for the Packers. I think he came from some sort of a D3 program. It, I don't
1: Wasn't it Pittsburgh? Was it, uh, what was it? It was uh, sh- not Schippenberg. was it? Uh, I, yeah,
2: I think that might be right, actually. That's I'm, the one I'm, that I I'm had gonna have in to, my mind.
1: Yeah, I'm going to have to look it up here because you're right. He did come from a small little school. But just, yeah, Shippensburg. You know being, yeah, Shippensburg yeah, University. Being,
2: being somewhat of a, uh, you know, a dark horse kind of guy and to see what he did with the Packers, his a- athleticism, Um, And versatility, he was a guy I grew up idolizing, and so maybe not necessarily in the true top five, but a guy that came to my mind first. Yeah, Um, two other ones that did jump into my mind, obviously Mike Alstott. You know, I don't know if he's a stereotypical true fullback he kind of he had wasn't in college <laughs> right he was it's certainly more that running back fullback
1: yeah world. oh my goodness he just ran over wisconsin a couple of times it was uh it was brutal to watch a few times when he was in college at purdue yeah he was a beast and then he was obviously a, a very very good player with tampa bay too but i'm, I'm thinking of him running the ball a ton uh, against wisconsin
2: yeah for sure as i'm sure most wisconsin fans <laughs> uh, can remember <laughs> um the other one was lorenzo neal too.
1: oh yeah and I East. think they had
2: some crossover in uh, in Tampa Bay, him and Allstott. But um, yeah, guy that played a long time could could block, could get a few yards when you needed it. Um, so yeah, he jumped out to me too.
1: So those are your three. All right. So I, I did a top five, but I only did Wisconsin fullbacks because Wisconsin Ooh. because Wisconsin has so many. Right? Like there's so many great ones. That, I mean, they've kept the fullback position in business essentially. Um, oh, then I I got some of those too. So you okay, go first. All right. So so number five on my list. Is, I think, like the first of the modern guys that when Wisconsin became a running school, when Barry Alvarez came, and I'm, I'm thinking in my head, you know, who epitomizes that? Who was is, who is in front of uh, Brent Moss and Terrell Fletcher? Mark Montgomery, man. He was an absolute. Beast, and uh, it's unfortunate he actually got kicked out of the Rose Bowl when he was a senior for fighting against UCLA. But he was he was an absolute beast, blow guys up. Got a little bit he got a little bit of more uh, action on the ground than some of the other fullbacks that have come through Wisconsin. I mean, he got uh, close to I think it was like fifty uh, what do you have fifty carries as a senior. He had two hundred and ten carries for his career. So he got they got the ball a little bit more back then the fullback did. But that'd be my number five.
2: Love it. Yeah, I don't know a lot about Mark, but he sounds like a beast, and <laughs> somebody that transformed the position at Wisconsin. So I
1: love it. Yeah, uh, my number four is Cecil Martin. Cecil Martin. Yep. Yeah he uh, he was the guy in front of Rondane for a majority of that uh, NCAA record. Yes, I said NCAA record, seven thousand one hundred twenty five <laughs> yards. That is an NCAA record. It's the most of any running back ever in college football history. Just so anybody gets yep. that straight. Right, Brady, you're on. You're on the same page I'm for on me.
2: The same page, and I, and I love how you are always tweeting about <laughs> it too. Constantly I, I, just just taking digs
1: at that. I love it. It's never going away. I can promise you that. Uh, I'm going to be touting that until the day it changes, the day that I die, and it may go on my gravestone. We'll see. Love yeah. it. Cecil Martin, fantastic, fantastic fullback. Uh, went on and, I think he was a six round pick, and went on and played a little bit in the NFL. Those are my four and five guys. Where are some of the guys that because uh, I. I got three more, but I'll let you throw some in there before I take them all.
2: Yep, Cecil was on my list too from UW specifically. Yep, um, Bernstein. Yep. I mean, just to watch him growing up through you know some of my uh, developmental football years, and to see what he did as a running back. I was a running back in high school, so I always liked those guys that could be a crossover. And he had some obviously tremendous games that people remember. I think it was Penn State, and yeah, um, you know, playing through injury, sports hernias. I've had a few of those too. So just. Uh, it's been awesome to get to know him. He may be um, on
1: my list at somewhere at some point.
2: He's probably your number one with <laughs> with your guys' <laughs> history, so he's he's up there for me. I love Bernstein, um, and then the, I kind of look at this as a tandem. And it was right as I was coming into college, but the Presley rentmeister uh, tandem of you know Chris Pre- they were both big dudes, but yeah. Chris Presley more that stereotypical fullback come down on an ISO and knock you out, where Rentmeister had a little bit more flexibility to get to the outside.
1: Well, yeah, and was, I think because he was a running back in I, high school too.
2: Yeah, I think from be- uh, Beaver Dam. Beaver Dam
1: um, he actually held the re- actually held the the record for most yards rushing at Beaver Dam until I think uh, R.J. Shelton took it a couple years, uh, about five years after that. The guy that ended up at awesome. Michigan State. Yeah,
2: I didn't know that, but just that tandem, and then uh, they were both seniors when I came in as a freshman. So to be able to learn from them a little bit, and uh, I feel like Meester started to pave the way to getting to more of a. You know, a crossover fullback that I I tended to um, lean towards a little bit more, and um, with some of that versatility as being as opposed to being a two hundred seventy-five, two hundred
1: eighty-pound uh, just bruiser coming downhill. So,
2: yeah. those were Bernie and uh, the Presley Presley Rentmister combo were two of my other ones.
1: Yeah, uh, number three on my list. Alan Amici, obviously, was more of a runner than a blocker, but he was a fullback yep. and uh, won a Heisman Trophy at Wisconsin in 1954 and deserves to be mentioned in any breath of Wisconsin fullbacks, even if it's not necessarily what we think of as a fullback these days. I mean, the fullback was sure. much more a uh, part of an offense back then. When we think about Jim Taylor with the Packers, was a fullback, you know, and, and yep. uh, was the all-time leading rusher there until Amon Green topped him. Number two on my list, the guy that wore the best neck roll, Brady Ewan uh yes number two on my list um because look you were right you were a mix you were a mix of that come hammer down and then also you know get out and uh, catch the ball and do a little uh you know running too i mean you you did it all you were one of the first ones that did it all yes i appreciate it i
2: i hope you're not just saying that because i'm on i'm on the uh no no. that's pretty pretty cool
1: no Um, yeah no number two on my list
2: well that's that's awesome i i think um I tried to, I guess, and I feel like I learned from guys ahead of me, you know, whether it be the Cecil Martins, the teams, the Rentmeisters, Presleys that we've talked about, but um, then it's been cool to continue to see that evolution with guys like, you know, Derek Watt and Ingold and Ramish, and just continue to see uh, the new flair that not only Coach Chris and Coach Rudolph are bringing to the offense, but just the way that they're taking the talent they have and that they're able to find and, you know, t- typically a lot of these guys end up being in-state guys, you yeah. know, um, nowadays, and so it's been... Super cool to see that transition, uh, that tradition
1: continue. Yeah, no, you're right. I mean, you think you were the start of it. Now it's become, they can, all, they can all get in there and block, right? You, can, you guys could all do that. Mm-hmm. Like, you could go downhill and you could meet straight up with the linebacker and be all good. But it was also the, just the added dimension of it that I think put a little okay. wrinkle in, in the offense for, you know, when Paul Chris started doing that little wrinkle that certainly, uh, you know, was effective. No doubt about that. You're also part yep. of the highest scoring offense in school history. You know, the, I shouldn't say, not even the highest, the two highest. Uh, we'll throw 2010 in there as well. And then, yes, number one, for a variety of reasons, mainly because he was a really, really good player, right? But also because uh, the relationship and because he was, he's a great host. Throwing all in, <laughs> throw it all in there. Uh, Hebrew Hammer, Matt Bernstein. love Matt Bernstein before I knew him. Uh, just loved him as a, as a football player, just because you know he'd get that eye black all the way down, like it was down his face, and just like he, he oh, yeah. yeah, I mean he would just he, he would come up and just crush you, like that was that was his thing. And and you know, there's not a lot of Jewish football players, and growing up, you know, being a Jewish person, you know, there's not a lot of that to grab mm-hmm. onto. So yes, sure. yeah, yeah, grab onto it. Matt Bernstein, Hebrew Hammer, number one on my list, but just slightly ahead of Brady Ewan.
2: <laughs> I don't know about that. I, a lot of these guys we've talked about, I look, I look well above anything that I was ever able to oh, accomplish. Come on with. now, so,
1: come on now. The, don't don't be like that. Uh yeah, he, no, you were great. Bern,
2: Bernstein is, um, yeah, had yeah, That's a fantastic choice. I mean, what the way he was able to do what he did throughout his career, and like you said, the flair that he brought to it, with um, you know his his faith background and his eye black, and um, you know just the stories of you know. You know, fasting all day and then coming in and playing and being sick yeah. and yeah, just, dropping one hundred and something,
1: hunting, something yeah, one hundred and thirty something on uh, Penn State. Yeah, amazing. what a legend! What a legend! A legend! And you know what? Like his personality is just amazing yeah. too. Like I mean, he's he's just such he. I, I feel like he, you know, he's kind of got he's got the best of both worlds. You know, just uh, you know, great, really good football player, but also really good guy in terms of like off the field and and how he uh, and his personality. He's a fun guy to be Absolutely. around, right? I mean, he's just he's just everyone. Like if you've ever been around him for a few minutes, you could tell he's just a fun guy to be around. And uh, there's, yeah, he, there's no doubt he about draws
2: that. In, He draws you in with his personality, his player, and yeah. um, I just feel fortunate to be a part of that fraternity and to get to know him through um, you know, through the years of my playing and afterwards too. So he's, he's a fantastic guy. Yeah, Obviously a lot of your listeners probably know that already, just, just from some yeah. of your shows too. He's a special
1: guy. He's a he is a really special guy. And you know what, the, the fullbacks in general Wisconsin are and I'm hopeful and I'm gonna be optimistic that we're going to get to see John Chanel and Mason Stocky do their work this fall and uh, be optimistic about it. Cause there's really no, like, as I have said, and i said throughout this thing, and I said at last interview, it doesn't cost anything to be optimistic, even though I am as pessimistic of a person as possible uh, in normal situations, it doesn't cost anything to be optimistic at this point. And so I'm going to continue to be optimistic that we'll have some form of football, some form or fashion of football this fall. Nothing I'm wrong with, with that, you. right?
2: I'm, no, I'm with you. I'm uh an, I'm probably more of an optimist, as you've started to to feel about most things. But, um, yeah, I'm I'm pumped up to see some football this fall. I have no doubt that we're going to see some shape or form of it, and uh, I'm excited to see what UW does.
1: Yeah, can't wait. Hey, Brady, certainly appreciate your time. Yeah, thanks so much, Zach. Appreciate it. All right, so that was Brady Ewing. Uh, before him, John McNamara. Do appreciate both of them jumping on and uh, chatting a little Badgers and a little bit more with us. We'll be back next week, hopefully, with some uh, some more interviews. Until then, you've been listening to the Camp here in the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network.